Welcome to the CX Chronicles podcast. This is the show for customer service managers, VPs of customer experience, and all of you other CXers out there. Every week, we are going to dig into topics, challenges, wins, and updates in the CX and customer service community. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chisana. Check us out at CXChronicles.com. Feel free to reach out to us anytime. Thank you so much for being a part of the CX Chronicles Nation. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a awesome guest. Mac Henson is joining us. He's got a really cool story. Um, Mac, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks, Adrian. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Mac, why don't you start off by telling the CX Chronicles Nation about yourself and how you got started on your own personal customer experience journey? Great. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting story because uh, it got a lot of twists and turns, and I didn't actually end up, you know, having this in mind. But it's a great place to be. So um, basically, I started doing project management uh, as a consultant in Portland, Oregon. Um, and it was at a small marketing agency uh, whose main client um, was a large technology firm in Seattle. We'll say the biggest one. Um, <laughs> they basically own all business software, if you catch my drift. I, I can't I, say their I name think, I'm no longer an employee I of I think theirs, we might understand yeah. what you mean. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So essentially, I was doing um, lots of PPM work for them. Um, and it was mostly to help their international expansion. Um, across the globe. So we concepted a uh, store design in their retail organization um, for a China initiative. So we wanted to open as many pop-up shops as we could in China to try and understand the market. And um, I just dug in head first. I had honestly very little experience, but I went for it and um, ended up having to, I think I lied about my age pretty much the entire time I was in China. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I have a mustache, so it helped. It probably did help. They all bought it. Um, so it was pretty fun. We were, we were opening up shops, figuring out how to get more efficient. And, um, you know, the team kind of got behind everything and and we we started going at a really great clip. Uh, and then, um, we shifted focus from China to Australia. And at that point it was not pop-up shops. It was a full on flagship store. Um, so they sweetened the deal and I said, great, I'll, I'll take this project. Let's do this. Um, and we, went ahead and made um, their first international flagship in uh, Sydney, Australia. And uh, culturally, they couldn't have been different, uh, more different, really. It was China versus Australia was um, complete and polar opposites. There's just so much openness in that culture that um, made it really fun to work over there. Um, So much so that after we opened the store, uh, I basically said, I would love to work here full time. And um, I was able to do that by identifying a gap in the business, which was customer experience. Um, when I was project managing the opening, we had lots of different work streams working together, and one of them was customer experience. However, the the team over there said, this is going to cost uh, lots of money to add one more store to our um, you know, to our store list. Sure. And we said, why, why is that? There's already 95 in the U.S. Um, how can it cost that much more? And they said, well, international time zones, being what they are, da, 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 we're going to... Um, support you guys it's going to cost this much and we all kind of looked at the budget and said ah, i don't know and so then we looked at what they were offering and we said i don't really think that that's 
commit to what you guys are charging. So we're just going to do it on our own. So they said, all right, Mac, here's this much money, and uh, wow. you go do it on your own. Said, That's awesome, Mac. Okay. <laughs> yeah, were you, nervous? Was, were you nervous with that type of responsibility being placed on you like that? Um, I would have been more nervous if the existing um, support model had been more impressive, to be to be completely frank. I okay. think that they had been um, pretty complacent for a while, to be honest, mm-hmm. and uh, they were in need of like a bit of a poke in the eye. Um, so that's exactly what we did. We said, you've been doing it this way. We're going to do it a couple different ways because there's things that we like and there's things that we don't. Um, and we were able to do it really locally, too, because they had to be scalable for you know 90 plus stores, whereas we only had to be local and responsive to one store, one time zone uh, in the world, which was definitely to our advantage. Um, and we ended up outshining the work in the U.S. Um, time and time again. That's awesome. And uh, we we did that in a couple of different ways, but uh, we'll get into that later. Essentially, I ended up you know living full-time in Australia, working on customer experience, and um, we were so successful that we absorbed the other flagship store that sits in New York, uh, because they said this is this is what it is to be flagship. Your your team is now responsible for both of them, and um, it was a great journey, super fun. That's awesome. I mean, Mac, that sounds like it was an incredible experience. It's, it sounds like you got to just see some really really incredible things happening, and, and then on top of it, you got to see these things on the other side of the planet. That must have been incredible. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's kind of funny because I live in Denver, Colorado now. Um, because my girlfriend, she's been following me around the world. So it was my turn to follow her. I ended up having to say, Hey guys, you know, it was fun working with you, but I got to come here. And so, um, having known China and Australia, and then of course the West coast of the U S um, I feel like I've got a pretty good feel on how consumers, um, act in different scenarios and, and it's, it's wholeheartedly different. So you have to be responsive to that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Mac moving, moving forward. So as many of our listeners know, we spent a lot of time, on the CX Chronicles podcast, talking about the four CX pillars, team, uh, systems, processes and workflows, and customer feedback. Um, I want to get into some of some of the questions I have for you about those pillars. So the first one, the first CX pillar, team structure and organization. Can you talk with the CX Nation a little bit about what some of the team structures have looked like um, for some of the past customer experience teams that you've worked on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I tried to do um, with basically the two markets that we were working in is make sure that there was a strong presence on the ground that felt not only responsibility but accountability for that customer experience, um, specifically to be able to provide feedback and then see the results on the ground. Because if your customer touch point is a person that person needs to be invested in it and if you know your investment lies two levels up you don't that that experience is going to miss a little bit so what i did was i made sure that our store associates were uh, not only um, aware but empowered um, by the the process that we set up so it was more of a um i would say i'm trying to find the right word for this more of a human representation um, sure. yeah. of customer feedback than anything. So rather than being able to do forms, which um, you know this company actually does a really good job of staying away from customer data, yep. I think now more than ever it's, uh, it's really paying off. <laughs> it, might, it might be their uh, best interest with some of the things that are going on right now in the news. Exactly. Um, so they, they basically said, 
you know, as far as digital processes, um, you're going to have to be really, really um, clunky about it if you want to be compliant. So we said, all right, we'll, we'll invest in people. So basically, we had the team on the ground that was really, really listening with their ear to the ground. They were making sure that customers were reacting to the things that we were doing, whether it was a marketing activation, you know, a sign-up tool, whatever it was. Um, we had to make that really streamlined and really positive. And we got that feedback um, immediately from that team. And I would move it up uh, the ladder to make sure that those who are either creating that um, digital you know, app or whatever it was were well aware of how it was going or, um, or we would change it. So if it was going well, keep it as is. But if there was anything we could do to change it, we would try to react at the speed of retail, which is literally next day if you can do it. <laughs> as fa- as um, fast as possible. Mac, how did you... Absolutely. So when, you, when it came to working with some of these some of these teammates of yours who were boots on the ground, right in front of the customer each and every day in the store, uh, hearing all the good things, the bad things, and the ugly things, how did you talk to those folks kind of about getting them ready to go to battle each day with the customer? How did you sort of prepare them for being ready to listen, open, open-minded, and, and ready to collect all that customer feedback and bring it back to the, uh, to the team so you can make sense of it and figure out how to work it up that ladder? Um, most of it was uh, by just involving them in the ideas. So I tried not to pick ideas that were outside of that group, um, whether it was my own you know, thought or um, you know, just a, a salesman who said, you know, what if we did this? I tried to make sure that that recognition – um, stayed really, really loud and proud each and every morning. So I would say, you know, we've got Adrian over here, and he thought of one of the most interesting ideas I've ever, I've ever heard, and it's making this sort of sketch on this giant surface hub, and we can get kids involved, we can get professionals involved, and people are just going to be able to use our touchscreens, and that's a really good opener for the rest of our product offerings. And if you celebrate people consistently, they're going to stay engaged. So we did a lot of that. It was a lot of positive feedback. And then making sure that if there was, um, you know, constructive criticism, framing that in the compliment sandwich sort of a way really, really helped. Um, I think the management for a while hadn't been doing that, and they were very sales-focused. So making sure that we focused on innovative things that really didn't have that many metrics we could tie to a graph, but more of a, um, a culture that we could cultivate. That was really the the key for us. That's awesome, and that basically it, you basically took my my next question, which was was just about you know what some of the lessons that you really learned in this experience. Um, and it sounds like getting the folks around the table, the people that were you know boots on the ground talking to these folks, and and really hearing what they what they were bringing back. That's one of the best ways of figuring out how to set the strategy and the course for what you're going to do next. That's awesome. Well, yeah. And the other thing that, that it was able to do for that is give them a sort of uh, pathway for development because, you know, when you're on the, uh, the bottom level trenches, as it were, you want to be able to see a future in the company you're at. And if you, you can't do that, then your customers will feel that as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Uh, no, you're totally We've right all about you know, had someone at the ticket window. Yeah. One foot out the door is never a fun experience. So, no way. you know, no. if they saw a future, then then every day was more fun. No, you're right. And, and, and I completely agree with you where the customer can feel that they absolutely can feel when they're being taken care of by someone who's vested in the uh, in the company, the product or the service. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, great. Awesome. Um, moving on to the second CX pillar of systems and tools. Let's talk about some of the systems that you've used to actually manage this customer experience. I know that, um, you know, if you need to, 
uh, if you're if, if we have to hold certain names uh, aside, that's fine. But give us just an idea around what some of the systems that you and your team used to actually manage the customer information and the communications. We we talked a ton about in store, re- you know, retail, ground floor, face to face interactions. But what systems did you use to capture some of that that super valuable, meaty uh, information from these customers and from your employees and the teams that were working on the ground? Yeah, um, honestly, we used a, a tool called Forms quite a bit, um, and that was part of our, our internal ecosystem. So we all had um, you know the, the right suite to be able to create a form whenever we wanted to. So most of the time, we were doing contests. Um, whether it was a you know grab bag sweepstakes or you know a hot lap competition for the fastest time around a Forza track, um, we wanted people to enter to win, um, and that was the best and easiest way to quantify the impact we were having. Um, and we would have people sign up on their form, and then we could count that at the end of the day. The the trouble was you'd have a lot of people and they just want to do it for fun, and they'd be like, I don't, I don't want to do the form. So <laughs> in that case, the associate puts, you know, AAA for every value, and it still counts as some doing it. Um, so we did a, a quantifiable metric of active and passive trials. Active trials were how many forms were filled out, if that was the mechanic we were using. Okay. And then passive would be how many people were really um, part of the experience without actually being in the driver's seat. So if little Johnny goes up and he's got his mom and his dad with him, that's one active trial and two passive trials. Okay. And um, the passive trials are basically what the marketing money is really paying for. Um, an active demo is fantastic, but if you have five people watching, even better. Um, so we quantified it mostly through forms. That was the most dependable way we were able to do these, you know, boots on the ground activations. Uh, but I developed an app internally that was, was just literally a, a counter, but it also put context in so people could sort of pass it along from a drop down and say, I'm doing this event uh, in this store. And then um, while I was doing it, you know, 20 people tried it and 60 people watched. And my notes were, um, they really liked, you know, this part of it, or, you know, this was actually really hard to do. So we should think about trying a new way to do it tomorrow. Um, and then they could add some pictures as well. So what's cool about this app is that I found someone within the store that was able to build it and he was able to put on his resume that he built an app for, you know, one of the biggest technology firms in the world. And, um, it's still being used today. So it was the type of thing where like you have the internal talent to do it. You can give them that time, you know, nurture their skills and create a process that everyone's going to benefit from. Um, so that was one of the things that we created because it was just a big gap in the business. People would write a lot of lip service at the end of the day saying we had, 200 people and it's just most of the time such an inaccurate number we wanted to get the real story so we made it ourselves and it's working really well that's awesome that's uh, that's really really cool and i think that that's you know i know with my own my own customer experience journey that's been one of the funnest parts along the way is just really kind of sometimes you have to get scrappy and you need to come up with uh with the quick solution and maybe there's not uh you know a product out there that that fits it and sometimes you just got to build it yourself i think that's awesome and i think that that's one of the fun parts about working inside of this space and this department inside of any organization is you do have your ear to the ground, right? We're, we, you know, the customer experience, uh, folks that are, that are working in these organizations, we often have probably the surest sense of what the heartbeat of the, of the customer and the organization looks like. And, uh, that's one of the, one of the many fun things that we get to deal with on our side of the business. No doubt about it. Yeah, um, that's absolutely. great. So, Mac, let's move into the sets us up pretty nicely for discussing our third CX pillar, 
processes and workflows. So I know that this is everybody's favorite topic, of course, right? Processes and workflows. But in our <laughs> in our line of work, I mean, when we're dealing with the customer, we're dealing with all of the business's systems that we have to use to drive and manage all the customer information, processes and workflows oftentimes they guide our day-to-day. They, 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 they tell us and our team members and our teammates how to do the job. And frankly, it helps to make sure that people feel really good about knowing that they're doing a good job. And with all that being said, can you talk with us a little bit about how, how did you have to go about building or optimizing your team's processes and workflows? Because you had a lot of stuff going on uh, in the space. And you already mentioned earlier in the show about how rapid the speed is. What did you do to help manage uh, how, how you, you and your team thought about the processes and workflows in front of you? That's a good question. We, we did um, sort of an equal balance of, of uh, planning being one half and then the other half being like just communicating, documenting, and activating. Um, so for the planning half, we always just looked at um, the entire fiscal year each year. So we would do a planning session a couple months in advance and say, for FY18, this is what we're going to do. On Q1, we have these beats that we have to hit. And then on Q2, it's actually holidays. So we're going to put lots of our budget here. And then Q3 and Q4, we don't know. We don't know yet. But here's what we do know. This is seasonally. We're going to have Valentine's Day. We're going to have Mother's Day. Things like this that are um, moments you know, in our market that we're going to have to hit. So we try to look as far in advance as we possibly could every time and sort of lay out a roadmap so we could um, all kind of go to the same drumbeat. Um, things always happen in the interim, but at any given time, we knew two weeks out exactly what was going to happen. Um, you know, a couple of flukes here and there would throw us off, but it was really about making sure that um, everyone, uh, not only in the store, knew, I would say we gave them about a two-week scope each time because, you know, you have to be very present when you're dealing day-to-day with the customer. But on the corporate side, we had it out at least each quarter we would make sure that every team involved knew our plans and knew what our goals were. Um, so that was like the heavy planning side of it. Um, the, the other side being the documentation and the communication was um, at times tougher than you think because lots of promotions would be flying around. Uh, the brand is known for, you know, really um, hitting big beats for retail and saying, okay, this is going to be 10%. This is going to be 15%. And all the guys on the floor had to know that. So, that was a really tough part to um, get airspace sometimes because you'd have a big day like Black Friday and you're like, okay, customer experience is let's make sales. Um, yep. If anything, the only thing we were able to do is say, all right, let's just make a calm place for people to relax, get some water, right. play Xbox, uh, <laughs> but the rest of it is just focused on sales. So you have to know when to bow out as well. <laughs> and Mac, I'm, I'm glad but, um, you said that though, because this is this is an, this is one thing that the folks that we have on this show. Um, I'm glad you brought up how customer experience is directly related to sales, because a big part of what the CX Chronicles Chronicles Nation is all about is getting people to realize that that point that you just made. Customer experience optimization is critical because it has a direct impact on any company's bottom line. It helps with uh, increasing revenues. It helps with uh, client retention. And I'm so, so happy that you brought that up because this is going to be a big part of what what we talk about, how customer experience equals sales. So I'm really, really g- glad you brought that up. I do have a question in terms of in terms of the documentation of those processes and workflows. So at a big, huge company like um, the one that you were working, how does that type of 
knowledge or that 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 information around how the how the business wants the strategy to be set how do they actually share some of that information so that people can refer back to the processes and workflows and have a clean clear place that they understand how to do their jobs is it online is it in a physical handbook form how did you actually give these people access to those processes and workflows so that they really understood how to use them um, we, we lots of times documented our results in Power BI, and that kind of spoke for itself in most um, scenarios. We would have processes that, that um, were constantly changing, mostly because all of our software was constantly changing. So if you're living on the cutting edge, you can't really say each year we're going to go at it the same way. Um, however, what we tried to do was uh, we would do a quarterly recap. And so we would say this worked well, this didn't, this is why. So we always had a PowerPoint that would point to our successes and our pitfalls, and a lot of going forward plans. Um, so each quarter when we would you know, go back to the spring or the fall or the summer, we would be able to say, okay, well, we tried that last time. Let's not try it the same way. Let's sure, try and tweak sure. it a little bit because we learned that you know, this particular one didn't work the way we thought it would. Um, so we always had a quarterly review that we could lean back on, which was basically the handbook because it was a living document um, that we would always update. It, it, it made for a really solid um, uh, learn to sort of build on each year. Awesome. Um, the other thing was uh, that dashboard that I'm talking about on Power BI, that was live. So it was a this living dashboard where you could sort of manipulate the data to see what you wanted to um, discover. And you could say, I want you know um, this half just for this store, and I want to see how many activations we did, and then how many are we doing this year, and, and why is that number bigger or smaller? Um, so making sure that was up to date, which was really just learning the program and then making sure that the Excel um, that fed that data was not only um, up to date, but accurate. And I think that was the biggest challenge that, that I was hitting when I was creating the space was, you know, how accurate is this data, which, you know, begets the app that we spoke about earlier. So um, it was a lot of making sure that none of what was going on was uh, lip service because in retail you want to look good and yep, at times you, you will soften the story a bit and the numbers don't lie at the end of the day because um, they they really were put together in a process that was ironclad so um, that was a uh, that was a big part of it and That's, then you know being able to like you said you know go back on those agency reviews that was the best part as well that's awesome no that makes good sense there's two points that I'm, I'm really glad you just brought up that i want to add on to which is the living playbook and the living dashboard. So a lot of the folks that listen to this show are running their their growth or their startup companies, customer experience teams right now. And um, you guys just heard Max say it. I'm going to double up on this one. Living playbooks and dashboards are huge, guys. Like the minute that you can begin to build a living document that houses all of the things that you're learning each and every day on, on your team, on the front lines, whether it's a phone call, whether it's a ticket that's coming in. The, the sooner you get to work in terms of building out that role clarity, make it a living doc like Mac just suggested, uh, add to it each day, fill out the content, give one of give one of the one of the folks that's been on your team the longest this opportunity to do it themselves. Same thing with the living dashboard, right? Once you understand what the key metrics are that you need to be focused on that have a direct correlation to sound customer experience, positive customer experiences, you need to double down on those metrics and you need to focus on those metrics because that's going to drive um, it's going to drive continued growth in the future and more importantly, it's going to continue to keep people happy. It's going to keep customers coming back and keeping them happy. That's great. So, Mac, 
let's uh, with um, that leads us to the final, but probably the most critical CX pillar, and that's this idea of full circle customer feedback. So at CX uh, CX Chronicles, you're going to hear us talk a lot about this idea of not just customer feedback, but full circle customer feedback. Don't just collect customer feedback and information. How do you circle it through your organization, bring it straight up to the top and to the bottom of the org chart, make sure that everybody understands what the critical points are and what the critical mission values are that, that, that your business wants to focus on for their customers. And you've already given us a bunch of really good um, really good substance around how you, how you did this, but I still have to, I have to ask again, what, what, mediums or what what space did you find most helpful to collect customer feedback uh was it always it was always face to face you mentioned forms was there anything else or any any other areas that you noticed was the best place to really get a customer to give you candid feedback that you could use and bring up back top to the boardroom like you mentioned earlier in the show yeah, one of the uh, techniques that they used all the time was uh, an NPS score. So basically, a customer can take a survey after any sort of experience um, and give feedback. And we did that a lot with our answer desk, which um, if you've been in Apple Store, it's the same thing as a Genius Bar. Um, and that really helped our service advisors, um, sorry, their service advisors, um, get a, a sense of how they're doing. Um, and lots of uh, the bonuses were tied to that. So if your NPS scores were good, you're going to get a bonus this quarter. If your NPS scores are bad, you're not going to. What's interesting is that um, in the U.S., that's pretty common. But in Australia, it's a new concept. So when you ask for someone to fill out a form after you've already serviced them, they were a little thrown off at first. But we found that um, if you didn't ask, it's never going to happen. And most of the time, people were happy to do it, especially because they had a great experience. Um, And having that um, really helps the employees get like a really solid metric. You know, it's one to a hundred. It's a percentage that they can sort of, they can watch the needle either, you know, go grow or fall and bounce because um, you know, it every day is a different day for anybody walking in the store and working there. But for a customer, it's gotta be a hundred percent flagship and premium. And um, that was a really good indicator of reminding people to, you know, be on their best uh, behavior and be, delivering their best customer experience, uh, no matter the situation, because with the company, like it was, um, there were so many things that could, um, that could go wrong for the customer, just in terms of keeping track of all your accounts and your subscriptions. Um, it can be very complex, uh, in practice though, simple in theory. So having that patience and making sure that they were, you know, requesting a survey after each interaction, um, really kept us on our toes in a lot of good ways. That's that I couldn't I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, it's you got to ask for the feedback. And frankly, uh, any business, any service, any product, if you're not asking for feedback from the customers and the folks that are going to keep you floating or the lifeblood of your business, it's going to be hard for you to continue to number one, stay around for a long time. And number two, it's going to be hard to keep the keep those people with you for a long time. So, amen, Mac. I totally, totally agree with that. Um, Well, I'll tell you what. So before signing up, uh, signing off, and wrapping up the show, uh, Mac, this is your time, my friend. This is your time. What, what would you like the CX Chronicles Nations to know about you? Any any features or highlights or projects that you're working on that you want to let our our listeners know about? Um, yeah, I'm actually I've got an interesting freelance project at the moment. But, uh, I moved to Denver um, with some plans that unfortunately fell through. It's a hard space to define, but. 
I, uh, I actually, you know, used to have my chops in Portland as a freelancer. So I'm doing um, writing content for a company called Yext, and um, what they have is a really cool conference in October in New York um, at the Lincoln Jazz Center. It's called Onward 18, um, and this company does all kinds of information marketing for um, a, a variety of brands, and really their customer experience, especially digitally, is their number one uh, product offering. So they, they're able to make sure that no matter what channel a customer takes to access your company's information, it's going to be a seamless experience throughout. So they're going to get the same brand representation and feel extremely taken care of. So they have a really cool um, product offering, and they actually have a really great list of speakers. Um, for example, Neil deGrasse Tyson will be the keynote. Um, he's a pretty cool guy. So I've been writing a lot about him and uh, getting excited for this conference. So if you're in New York and you have some time in October, uh, look it up and definitely sign up. It's going to be a really good one. They were sold out last year, and I guarantee you they'll sell out this year. Um, so that's definitely a plug. I think on the other side, um, if you're early in your career and you're not sure what you're doing or how to do it, keep going. <laughs> I think that um, thriving hey man, ambiguity man. is you're one absolutely of right, man. valuable traits. Yeah, it's just, you know, you, you will get the hang of it as long as you just make a to-do list and knock them off day to day. You know, it'll become second nature after a while, but you know, don't be afraid of, of living in a space that is undefined because those end up being the most valuable for any company that you're a part of. I think, I mean, you're absolutely right. You just got to keep plugging away and, and it's all about action. Just keep trying to keep doing it. It doesn't matter if it's not working. You're learning all along the way. That's literally how you're building your muscles for the future to, to, to tackle some of the goals that you got in front of you. Well, thank Absolutely. you again, Mac Henson, for joining the CX Chronicles podcast. We are so grateful for you taking the time to come on our show and chat with our listeners about your customer experience journey. Um, I hope that you please keep the CX Chronicles Nation posted on what you're doing next. We would always be super, super happy to have you again in the future. Um, and again, it's just been a pleasure having you part of the show. And uh, I'll look forward to chatting with you again soon in the near future. And I'm definitely going to hit you up offline about the uh the upcoming conference uh in new york city because i would love for us to be able to meet up uh together and and keep talking chop absolutely adrian thanks for having me on i really appreciate it thanks so much mac have a great day all right thank you so much for listening to another episode of cx chronicles be sure to subscribe, save, and share with all of your fellow CXers. And until next time, make happiness a habit, CX Chronicles Nation. Check us out at cxchronicles.com. <laughs>